It's been almost two months since we launched She Launch, and you know when you love something so much that you want to do it every single day? That is me on the coaching calls inside She Launch. I literally want to do them every single day. I love it. And for those of you that have not heard of She Launch, it is for female coaches, consultants, and service providers who are wanting to earn six figures online with their dream business. Inside, we teach sales, marketing, leads, mindset, AI, offer mastery, and so much more. We also have just launched the She Launch CRM. Yep, we have our very own amazing CRM now, which I'm so excited about. Now, I believe this is the best online business and mindset training for female entrepreneurs, but don't take my word for it. Here is what Eilish has to say about it. The community is absolutely incredible as well. That's another thing that I really love about SheLaunch. Again, I've been in masterminds where the community's been either dead in the water or it's just had a weird vibe. (laughs) And with SheLaunch, the community is nurturing. They're really kind to each other. They're so supportive. And you feel like you are part of something really special. So if you are thinking about joining, jump on a call and then see what you think, because I know that you won't be disappointed. And this is what Rita thinks. I have absolutely loved every second of the She Launch program. I cannot explain how deeply transformative it has been for me personally. I am eternally grateful. It is worth every cent and I would highly recommend it to anybody. And here's what Belinda thinks. Signing up for She Launch is one of the best decisions I ever made. The content is extensive and groundbreaking amazing. Uh, Melissa and all the team are so supportive, helpful, always there for you and really loving kindness. Plus the connections I've made with the ladies that are in the group have been exceptional. We're all a team. We all support each other. If you're going to do something, sign up for She Launch. It's amazing. Babe, I would love and be honoured to work with you. All you have to do is head to shelaunch.com for all the details. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Head to shelaunch.com and I cannot wait to meet you. This is episode number 35 with Mike Sherbakov. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I recently met Mike on my trip to Greece where we worked with the Afghanistan refugees. And after that experience, we went on to Naxos and Santorini. We got to spend a lot more time together, which was really beautiful. And it's safe to say that Nick and Mike definitely had a mega bromance going on. It was hilarious. 
But Nick wasn't the only one drawn to this beautiful human being. Everyone wanted to be around him. It's not every day you meet someone who you feel so honored and humbled to simply be in their presence. And Mike is that person. He is so powerful, yet soft, grounded, and purpose-driven. I felt like I was in the presence of true greatness, which is why I'm so excited for you to hear this episode today. Mike is the founder of the Greatness Foundation on a mission to positively impact 1 billion lives. Learning the importance of integrity, honor, and hard work during his time on active duty in the United States Marine Corps, Mike is fascinated with exploring human potential. He holds degrees in kinesiology and psychology, along with advanced certifications in fitness, nutrition, mindfulness, and yoga. Mike travels the world supporting game-changing organizations and causes, speaks on stages, consults for startups, and collaborates with organizations like Fitbit, Lululemon, and Athletica. Committed to learning, Mike is established as an expert in the areas of social entrepreneurship, philanthropy, and wellness. He inspires others to choose greatness as a leader in the community and passionately pursues humanitarian efforts around the globe. In today's episode, we chat about how he went from working in the Marines to being an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, adventurer, and to creating the Greatness Foundation how to live an extraordinary life, how to find your passion and purpose in life, why we need to be a student for life, the reason we are here on earth, how becoming a parent changes you on all levels, the rituals that will change your life, why openness is the key to happiness, plus so much more. And for everything that Mike and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 35. And without further ado, let's bring on the amazing, the humble Mike Sherbakov. Mike, it is so great to have you here. But before we dive into our juicy conversation, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I actually had some egg whites, a spinach with turkey sausage, and a green smoothie. (laughs) But I love that you ask that. (laughs) I always find it so interesting. Like the just the vast ray of what the answers that I get to that question. I just love it. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I think that's the first time I've been asked that on on a podcast. (laughs) So, can you take us back and tell us your story from working in the Marines to creating the Greatness Foundation? How did this all come about? Well, it's a long story, but I'll do my best to kind of maybe touch on the highlights. Um, I think... If there was a theme to how everything came together, it would probably be um, just following curiosity or following passion. So even, you know, people often ask why I joined the Marines and I spent five years on active duty. Well, when I was 18 years old, it was what I felt like I needed to explore. I felt like it was what would challenge me. I wanted to 
um, see the world. I wanted to um, push myself and see what I was capable of. Um, and I think if, you know, on a fundamental level, being interested in, in learning and learning about the world and learning about myself. And so I go through five years of the Marines and naturally as I transition out, there's this desire to learn more. And so I started, uh, I studied and got my degrees in kinesiology and psychology because I was interested in kind of how the mind and the body work together. I was always fascinated with wellness, which I know you're, you're obviously very passionate about as well, right? Taking care of our bodies and taking care of our minds. And so I learned all of this on kind of a, um, with a scientific background and really to the, you know, physiological uh, reactions that we have to stress and, and happiness and all of that. And then started to dive a little more into the spiritual kind of understanding of everything. And I did my yoga teacher training because I think that, you know, we take care of our bodies and then we take care of our minds. But one thing that I really um, wasn't putting at the forefront was how do we kind of take care of our souls and, and our soul purpose and what we're here to do. And through the process of, I would say, yoga and diving really deep into the world of trying to understand purpose and why we're here, I found um, it was through contribution and through giving that I felt most alive. So I had always been involved in um, some form of giving back, right? Something as small as, and I, not to compare something as small, but I would say, you know, spending an hour a month uh, at like a local soup kitchen or, you know, feeding the homeless. And then I started to get involved with the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. And then I started to understand how, you know, nonprofits work and, um, started spending a lot more time in that world. And, and really, I think a, a huge uh, moment for me was when I spent uh, about six years ago, I spent a weekend in Mexico building a home for a family in need. And these families, you know, they live on dirt floors, uh, many times on a flattened cardboard box with a couple blankets. Uh, the children are dying because they uh, have respiratory and digestive issues and they're breathing in chemicals and and, uh, and all of a sudden, after two and a half days, there's a beautiful home and with two bedrooms, loft, insulation, electric. And not only do these families now, are they protected from the elements and do they have something that lasts for generations, but we're actually um, changing their lives. And so after that weekend, I thought, how did I possibly spend my weekends any other way when in such a short time, you can make such a big difference? And I thought you know, if there was kind of a big moment, I've had a few defining moments in my life, but that was certainly one of them of, of really saying for the rest of my life, I'm going to commit, uh, and do everything I can to make the biggest difference that I can while I'm here. Mm, gosh. And how old were you when you had that realization that service and being of service was what truly lit you up? I think I, I felt it uh, for a long time. Maybe it was even something that I ignored, right? Like in Joseph Campbell's, you know, the uh, narrative of the hero's journey, he says that there's a call to action. Uh, the phone is ringing, but we we often don't pick it up. And I think I heard the phone ringing <laughs> for a long time, and I I didn't really pick it up, or maybe I just kind of answered and put it right back down because I was I was scared. Um, but I would say about 
you know, five, six years ago was when I really started to dive into this world and commit my life to it. I mean, this is my life's work and it's what I'll do uh, until the day that I'm not here anymore. And what were you scared of? You know, hindsight, I, I call it greatness. Mm. Um, I think the Marianne Williamson quote that resonates with me, you know, it's not our darkness that most frightens us. It's our light. It's just, it's, it's the possibility of, of, of who we can be in this world. And I think, um, I was, I was comfortable just doing what I was doing and the thought of doing something great. It sounds crazy looking back, but it scared the heck out of me, right? It was, well, what are people going to think? And, um, (laughs) you know, it's when you're leaving, anytime you're leaving comfortable, anytime you're leaving ordinary for extraordinary or good for great, it's a, it's a bit of a scary transition. Mm, Absolutely. But there's always so much growth on the other side. Absolutely. So do you feel like service is the quickest way to inner peace, fulfillment, living a great, extraordinary life? You know, everyone has their own experience, uh, and I, I can't speak for everyone else. But what I know in my life is uh, I feel most alive when I'm in service, when I am committed to something bigger than me. Um, and I think Ultimately, I'm a huge fan of quotes, as you probably know. <laughs> you know, there's a, uh, a wonderful quote by Howard Thurman. He says, you know, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what it is that makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Mm. And so, again, I can't speak for anyone else. But what I do know is for me, this is what makes me come alive. And that's why I'm, I'm so committed to this work. I would say if for someone else, if painting, you know, was their thing, uh, that's their contribution that is giving. Cause it looks, giving looks so different to everyone, right? If, you know, creating great content, uh, if writing a book, uh, if being the best chef, being the best, you know, gardener, whatever that is to them, whatever it is that makes them feel most alive, this is, I feel like those are our best gifts to the world. Mm, absolutely. I totally agree. And I love that you've said it comes in all different shapes, size, colors. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be building homes in Mexico. It could be you, you know, giving your music or your art or just, it doesn't even matter. It's just whatever it is that makes you feel the most alive and sharing that. That's right. I mean, I always give my mom as this perfect example. My mom is absolutely living her greatness. You know, and I define greatness as living a life you're proud of, right? Something you can look back on and say, I'm, wow, like, you know, at the end, at the very end to look back and say, I've, I've, I've done what I can during the time that I was here. And my mom, she loves um, gardening and she loves animals and her life, well, she, she teaches, she loves teaching as well. But, you know, her life is, she goes to teach and then she comes home and she takes care of the garden and the plants on the property and, you know, all the fruits and vegetables. And then she takes care of the animals, the horses and the chickens and the goats. And she's not out, you know, building homes in Mexico and opening schools in Nicaragua and doing all these projects. 
but she's absolutely 100% living her greatness and she absolutely inspires me to live mine, right? Because that's, she has no doubt that that is what she's here to do. And she does such a great job at it. Like she was here to be an amazing mom and she's such an amazing mom in that regard, right? Like talk about a perfect example of greatness showing up in very different ways. Wow. What a nice uh, role model that you had, you know, growing up. That's so beautiful. Yeah, she's very special. So I have never met anyone who holds such a calm and grounded presence like you. It's really inspiring. And Nick and I have a saying, we always, um, you know, when we're kind of perplexed or something is, you know, not entirely clear to us, we will say, what would Jesus do? Um, Or we'd say, you know, what would love do? And I don't think we told you this on our trip, but whilst we were traveling with you, we were so inspired by you and the way that you show up in the world and who you are being in the world, so grounded and present and peaceful and calm, that we started saying, what would Mike do? Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those, you know, those qualities are so inspiring. Wow. And because I want to be even more present and patient and calm and grounded and I'm I'm curious to know, like, have you always been like this? Mm. Well, first, let me start by saying that I'm just I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your and Nick's friendship, and just really honored to have you both in my life. And that just that means a lot to me. Um, I don't know if you'll ever really realize that that's you know to to have friends that you admire and respect say something like that. Um, and I know how genuine and authentic you are as you show up. I just, um, I want to thank you for Mm, saying that. You're so welcome. Um, And it's interesting, uh, to answer your question of, has it always been that way? Absolutely not (laughs) is the simple answer. Uh, I, my core value is integrity and, uh, a lot of my life was lived out of integrity if I'm being completely transparent, um, when I spent, you know, during the five years in the Marines, um, if you met me when I was in the Marines, you probably wouldn't be friends with me. I think every other word out of my mouth was an F word. Like, you know, (laughs) that is so hard to believe, you know, it's so funny looking back on it because, and then, you know, the, the highs and the lows of, of the energy in how I showed up too. Absolutely. There was, you know, like you'd get angry because that was just kind of this programming I had. And then I'd get really sad um, and kind of everything in between. And, you know, such a contrast between highs and lows. And, you know, I think over the years, I just began to refine more and more of who I was. I, I think I even shared this with you when we were in Santorini together, but I read uh, an article and I recommend it to anyone. It's called the top five regrets of the dying. Um, the, the Australian, you know, palliative care nurse that, that studied patients in their last eight weeks of life, asked them, right? These are terminally ill patients. They know they're facing the end. Um, and she asked them a couple questions. One of them being, you know, what are your biggest regrets? And what she learned is there's so much clarity and wisdom that we can, you know, attain from people who are, at the end. And 
of all of the regrets. You know, people said this in different ways and phrased it in kind of their own way, but there was one that was consistent among every single person that was about to die. And what they said is, I wish I had lived a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I remember reading that, and I still remember, and that's it's word for word. I, I will always remember that. I ask myself that often is, am I living true to myself? When I was in the Marines and cussing every other word, that was not me at all. Because I remember I would show up to my parents' house and talk with them, and I, would, I was a totally different person. And what I say when you know I told you I was I felt so out of integrity is then uh, I would hang out with a group of friends and I would act a, another way, and then I'd hang up with a different group of friends and I would act a certain way, and and then the way that I showed up as a father I would act a different way, and so there were there were almost these different mics everywhere, right? There was Mike showing up as a Marine, Mike as a dad, Mike as this, this, this. And it, that's what felt out of integrity. I almost had to remember how, how do I need to show up here? And it's, it's like this heavy feeling that I felt. And so when I think of live a life true to yourself, it just means I am the same wherever I go, right? Like Mike, Dr. Seuss has this quote of wherever you go, there you are. So, you know, one thing that I'm very proud of in my life is how I am with you, and how I am with my son and how I am as a son to my parents and how I am in a personal or professional environment is the same. And that is who I am. I'm very clear on who I am and how I show up. And it took, I mean, it's like talk about, you know, putting sandpaper to the edges, like just, just really kind of polishing and refining who it is that I am in the world. Mm, that is so beautiful. As you were talking, I could see so many parallels in my life in my early 20s. I was exactly the same. There was the Melissa that was with my parents, the Melissa that was in a relationship, and it was very different. And I always felt out of integrity, like I was, yeah, a fraud almost, or, you know, I had so many hats that I would wear. I didn't know whether I was Arthur or Martha. <laughs> I've never heard that, but I love it. <laughs> Maybe it's an Australian saying. I'm not sure. Got, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until I kind of dove deep into asking myself some of those questions as well that I found the true me. And it's so much more rewarding when you are living a life true to yourself. And I absolutely love that article that you're talking about, The Five Regrets of the Dying. It's so beautiful. I'll link to it in the show notes so everyone can have a read of it. Yeah. And on top, I'll just add one thing, you know, on top of um, feeling rewarding, it just the, the feeling of lightness that comes with it, right? The I remember how energetically heavy it felt. I remember... You know, I, I had a, I would have conversations with people, and although, um, let's say, I wasn't lying to be, you know, uh, you know, manipulative or deceiving, but little lies that you tell people here and there. And I remember if there were a group of people in a room together, and I know that I had kind of told someone something and someone another thing, I, I, I would get nervous, and it felt really heavy that these people were in a room together, and I almost, I, I was kind of wishing, oh gosh, I hope. They don't talk to each other because, because I was out of integrity. 
And what I love about, again, I think it's, it's important to love who you are and be proud of who you've become. Like, I'm so proud to say that put people in a room, put everyone in my life in a room together now and have them talk. And I just, there's a sense of lightness. There's a sense of peace because there's not a dissonance. There's not a difference between how I show up with one person and another. And I just, I'm feeling so much more integrity and I, you know, thoughts, words, and actions in alignment. Mm, so beautiful. That's really beautiful and very inspiring. So I'm curious to know, for someone who's listening and thinking, well, I'm not sure what it is that is my gift to the world or my service. You know, I'm I'm kind of sitting in a place and I don't know what it is that lights me up. Like, what advice would you have for them? That's a great question. I would imagine a lot of people are there. And I think without overcomplicating anything, find the things that you're curious about. Find the things that uh, you're interested in and just start learning more about them. It's actually that simple. All of us in the entire world, 7.4 billion people, we all like something. You know, Maybe you're kind of interested in food or maybe you're kind of interested in fashion or music or painting or whatever it is. Um, just start following that curiosity and learning more about it. And just by learning about it and following it, all of a sudden you meet other people who like those things too, right? You, if you like riding horses, you're going to find other people who ride horses and you start talking with them. And, and all of a sudden you, you immerse yourself, right? Tony Robbins talks about it. He says, proximity is power. Being around the things that you like to do and around those kind of people that like to do the same kind of things as you will exponentially accelerate the growth process. And the beautiful thing is without, you don't need a million dollars in your bank account. You don't need to have all this time in the world. We, we have access to so much knowledge through YouTube, through podcasts like this where people get to learn, right? Through books that people you know, over centuries have, have ex- taken everything they've learned in a lifetime and crammed it into words on a page. I mean, there are infinite resources for us to learn and dive into um, and figure out the things more about what it is we're passionate about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How important do you think being a student for life is? The most important thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> I don't know if I could I don't know if I can place enough emphasis on that. I think the moment that we think we've got it figured out, the moment that we stop learning <laughs> is the moment we're dying. Totally. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, you know, and I see, you know, a few of the baby boomer generation, they're, they're so, um, they've stopped learning, not everyone, but I have seen people that have stopped learning. And I have some examples in my life where they just, they are so content. And then um, there's others where I can see a little bit of their soul is eroding. Mm-hmm. And I am just a obsessed with learning and growing and reading and listening to podcasts and just wanting to 
just soak up as much juice and knowledge from whoever wants to share it with me. You know, I'm so open to hearing your story and to hearing anyone's story. Um, That's why I started this podcast, because I want to share. I want to share people like you, your message and your wisdom and your knowledge. So, I agree. I think being a student for life is such a beautiful quality and we have, you're right, we have... um, access to all of this right at our fingertips. Yeah, I'm going to reference, you know, in psychology, um, there, there's this idea of um, the need for self-actualization. Uh, a guy named Abraham Maslow came up, and you know, someone listening may be familiar with this, he came up with the hierarchy of needs. And he says, imagine if you had this pyramid, this triangle, and at the bottom are basic human needs, right? We need food, we need water, shelter, those kinds of things. And at the top, like ultimately, like life's purpose, what we're here to do is, he said, the need for self-actualization. He says, what one can be, one must be. And how it ties into learning is, let's say that at the very top is, is who we're meant to be. And let's understand also that it's an asymptotic curve, meaning like we're never going to reach it, like our full, full, full potential of everything we're ever going to become. But we're going to keep growing towards it. And the only way that we keep moving closer and closer towards it is by learning. So he says that it's not even something that, oh, it's nice to do, right? Or uh, in your free time, just do it. But, but he's like, it's a human need. It's actually why we're alive, is to become what we're meant to become. Amen. Mm, It's just so true. And so what happens if we don't? You end up like one of the patients in their last few days of life, looking back and saying, I wish I had done it differently. Mm. And I don't know uh, if other people can live with that, um, but it's something that I certainly mm, yeah. am not okay with. <laughs> I, I will not. I refuse to be on my deathbed saying, I wish I had done this. If only I had you know, tried that. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and uh, in every you know, fail, first attempt at learning, uh, every fail is just leading me closer and closer towards the lesson right? And closer and closer towards what it is that I need to become. Mm, So true. You have a beautiful son, Holden, who I am obsessed with and just love him so much. Oh, thank you, Melissa. How has having a child shaped you and molded you? And what has the growth been like since having Holden? Because he's now 12. So tell us about parenting and that journey. Parenting changes you. <laughs> uh, and again, I love quotes. Uh, and certain ones that I read just hit home and stick with me for a long time. Um, the one about parenting that I love is Doc, or, um, Jim Henson, who's the creator of the Muppets. And he says, children don't remember what you try to teach them. They remember who you are. And so more than the things that we try to teach our kids, I've learned this as a dad, they're watching us all the time. And you know this, Melissa. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're seeing how we show up. 
with our friends, with our family. They're seeing how we show up in when we're stressed out, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling sad. They're they're seeing. They're watching all of it. Um, and so, if nothing else, being a dad is this constant reminder and this constant opportunity to reflect on how am I showing up. And do I have things that I need to work on? Of course, of course, like we're always striving to become better human beings, but it's almost this great mirror, this, this, uh, this kind of check-in that's always asking, Mike, are you doing what you know you can be doing? Are you showing up with love, with compassion, with understanding? Because there's this little human that's going to emulate everything that you're doing and everything that you are. And so has it been important? It, you know, arguably, yeah, the most integral, you know, component of of who I've become and the most important catalyst for this growth, because it's no longer just Mike, right? It's crazy how it changes you. Mm, I absolutely agree. And it is so important. It's not about the things you buy them and those sorts of things. It's it's who you are being. And are you being in your highest integrity? Are you being love? And that's such a beautiful reminder for me. Thank you so much. I'm going to I'm going to take that into my day and remind myself every moment, you know, because Leo is a beautiful mirror for me to show up fully and completely every day. (laughs) And also to be okay messing up, right? Mm, I think that's really important. Yeah. And that's something that we're working on with Holden. um, And I'm sure we'll work on for a long time is, uh, Yes, you know, showing up with love and compassion and understanding and falling every once in a while and saying, all right, let's, this, you know, at the, I think you and I actually talked about this when we were in Greece, but at the end of each day, uh, we have three questions for each other as, I'm, as I tuck him into bed. And it's, what was your favorite part of the day? What did you learn today? And then we ask each other, you know, what's a question you have? And I love this idea of what did you learn today? Because more often than not, the things that we learned that day came from something we kind of messed up on, right? Like, oh man, okay, that didn't feel great. So I'm going to do it a little differently next time. And to own those mistakes and to own being human and learning and growing um, with him and is, is such an important part, I believe, of parenting. Like it's, you know, we don't, completely have it together all the time. Like, let's be honest, we're human. (laughs) Mm, And I think a lot of parents feel like they have to have it all together or at least portray that image to their children that they've got it all together. And, you know, growing up, my parents definitely had that and they were never super vulnerable with me. That's really something that Nick and I try and do with Leo is just be real, be totally real and and show him that we fall down and in the way that we get up, our hope is to inspire him with that. It's interesting you say um, you and Holden have that little ritual when you tuck him into bed at night and as you'll know because we did this in Greece together, but around the dinner table we say three things we're grateful for. We say uh, our favorite part of the day, uh, 
and we say uh, one improvement. So what's something we could improve from today? And we do this every night over the dinner table with Leo and it's um, it's really a beautiful exercise to do and to to just see you know, what's going on in his little mind. And and it's also amazing for us too to reflect because, yeah, we're always growing. We're always wanting to peel back another layer and just show up as the fullest version of ourselves. And that takes looking and not um, burying your head in the sand. Right. And I loved that we did that in Greece. That was so nice. It actually made me feel like I was at home. And when we started doing that, I go, okay, yeah, Nick and Melissa are in my life forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, like you said, it's when when we can be that way in front of our kids, right? And you remember, because Holden was sitting with us at the table, we would talk about... Um, oh, yeah, I, we can improve on this. And so in his mind, he goes, oh, like adults and parents kind of mess up their, you know, they have things that they need to improve on too. And it gives him permission to, to mess up and that's okay. And to say, this is what I'm going to work on. This is what I'm going to be better about tomorrow. Mm, such beautiful, beautiful practices that I yeah, highly recommend. And now we, we bless our food and we do that practice with, you know, anyone who comes into our house. You know, it's something that is such a big part of our lives. Gratitude is huge. And I remember when we first started doing it, we felt a little bit awkward. We're like, oh my goodness, are they going to think we're totally weird <laughs> and just crazy people? But you know what? I just, it makes me feel integrity and it makes me feel good. And so we do it. We do it in restaurants. We do it in Greece with you guys on the other side of the world. We do it in our home every night. Um, it's just such a beautiful ritual and something that I feel like really connects and bonds you as well with those around you. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to the quotes I love. You know, Dr. Seuss says that, um, be who you are and say what you say, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And I, it's that idea of, you know, if I'm at a dinner table and, and I say, hey, guys, I, I'd love to share what we're grateful for. And someone at the table is like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Or I think that's weird. That's fine. That's their reality. And it's probably not someone that I really want to spend a lot of time with. Because we get to choose, right? As human beings, we have choice of, of who we spend our time with because our, our time is so limited and so finite. And so if gratitude isn't a fundamental and foundational value for someone, if it's not something they're even open to exploring, then I will say we probably don't have that much in common. It doesn't matter to me, you know, how, what the external looks like, even if you're, it, whether you're a billionaire focused on business, 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 or if on the external side, you're building a, a hundred schools around the world a year, if if at the foundational and fundamental level, you're, you're not open to gratitude, then we probably don't have that much in common. Mm. It's almost like a good barometer. It's a wonderful barometer, right? And I'm not saying people have to do the practice, you know, for, for dinner every night, but, you know, being open to it, right? If someone introduces, hey, I'd love to, you know, do an exercise of compassion where we do, you know, one random act of kindness for someone, like to be open to those kinds of things, uh, 
I think it brings the right people in your life and it almost acts as a filter um, you know, for people that you probably don't want to spend as much time with, cause they can, you know, you can feel that energetically. Some people just, they, it feels like they drain your energy a little bit. Mm, totally. This is what my whole next book is about. It's about being open, having an open mind and an open heart. And if you can move through life with that openness to all things and all people, then, you know, you're, you're going to experience a pretty good time. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficult times, but I, I meet people who are so closed and not even willing to entertain the idea for the slightest. And that's okay. Everyone has their own opinion and everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but stay open to hearing my version or Mike's version or Nick's version, you know, stay open because that openness not only makes you feel expansive, but you just don't know what could happen. Like you said, we're creating our life and we get to choose. And when you have an open heart and an open mind, the things that just come in front of you is pretty awesome. Right. And, you know, on that same note of, of being open, we, uh, I'm very different than I was 10 years ago. I'm sure you're different than you were 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe even, you know, a week ago. And in what w- the reason that we change is because we allow new information to come in that we're open to. So whether it's a book we read or a podcast, we listen to or a conversation we have, somehow our mind gets to thinking and goes, okay, let me, let me bounce this off with my truth and my beliefs and my values. And does this make sense? And can I kind of add this in and, and maybe shift the way that I'm seeing the world? Mm. Right. And that's why I love, I mean, travel and, and, and contribution and service because when I go to India and I'm looking at the slums and how these people are living and, and I, you know, we go, you were with me in the refugee camps in Greece and you see how the families are in this state where they have no idea what's going to happen. They've been there for a year and they may be there for years longer. All of a sudden, like my heart feels that like my, the level of compassion for people in the world changes. And like my perspective is complete is different as opposed to, you know, home base for me is in San Diego and I could just stay here and hang out and surf all the time with friends, but but I'm not I'm not growing. I'm not expanding. I'm not I'm not seeing the world in a different way. And so it's absolutely to your point of staying open, open to it all, from the books to the conversations to the podcast to to the experiences. Allow them to kind of enter in. Allow to allow yourself to really feel them, and then you know maybe it changes your perspective of the world. Mm, absolutely. I actually haven't even announced this anywhere, but it feels quite perfect to do it right now. But my next book is the title is called Open Wide. And it is all about uh, opening your heart and opening your mind. So you have heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even being open to the taxi driver and being open to the person at the post office or the bank teller, I have had some of 
the most esoteric, deep, soulful conversations with taxi drivers. And, you know, so often we're, we're closed to those people and those experiences, but some of those experiences have shaped and molded my life and who I am today. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I th- you know, with each new person we meet, there's an entire universe, an entire lifetime of experiences and an understanding uh, and perspective that they show up with. It's it's funny you're saying like with the taxi driver. I, I got into San Diego last night, and I'm taking uh, you know an Uber home, and um, the awesome gentleman that was driving me home. He runs uh, a foundation in Uganda. He's from Uganda, and um, we ended up just like, I was so in awe as I'm sitting here listening him talk. Um, and I'm almost like, I, I was putting myself in his shoes to try to imagine what it would have been like to grow up the way he did, you know, go through this childhood he had, which was extremely challenging. And, and like, there's so much we can learn. And that's, that's one person for a 30 minute conversation, right? Each new person we meet, we have this opportunity to just go in and, and, and discover a whole new universe. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so exciting. Like, I love hearing people's stories and what their universe is like. I'm like, tell me about you and what you've been through and yeah. tell me <laughs> tell me your story. Like, that's one of, one of the best things that I got to experience with you guys in Greece was hearing, you know, your stories. And we didn't have as many hours as I would have liked. I would have liked, you know, months more with you guys there because, (laughs) you know, we were only scratching the surface, but, you know, just hearing about your story and getting to know Holden and it was just absolutely beautiful. There's so much to learn from each and every interaction we have. Right. I mean, this is the way that I think about it is uh, you've had experiences, all of these experiences that have, you know, comprised your life. And then I've had these experiences and everyone kind of has, you know, 20, 30, 40, however old they are, that many years of experience crammed into this life. And those experiences have led them to see the world a certain way. You look at the world a certain way. I look at it another way, you know, maybe similar, but we definitely have our own unique way of looking at it. And what's fascinating to me is all of those, none of them are the, the real truth, right? It's, it's one perspective, but it's, it, it's a small piece and a small fraction of something way bigger. And so I'm kind of on this quest to understand more, right? And that's why I love these kinds of conversations. I love learning about people's perspectives, especially ones different than mine, right? The families I was interviewing and at the refugee camps, like to really understand what they've been through and their perspective of the world is so different than mine. And all of a sudden I look at it and it just adds, it becomes another little piece. And now I get to see, okay, a little more of the world. And I get to, you know, sit down with you and Nick at dinner and hear your understanding of the world. And okay, another little piece gets added. And so I just like continue to add these different perspectives that are really just making up a much larger understanding of the world. 
Mm, absolutely. I think in romantic relationships as well, we have this idea that our partner has to have the exact same belief system and values and goals and almost be the male version or the female version of us. And I always say that everyone is on different operating systems, you know, like our iPhones. I'm on iOS pink and you're on iOS blue, you know, the pink one isn't better than the blue one. They're just different, right? And when we can appreciate and stay open to someone else's operating system, that's when the magic happens. And there are so many places in mine and Nick's life that we are so aligned. And then he has his spin on things and I have my spin on things. And because there is that deep respect and underlying love we can appreciate those things. It's not about trying to fix or change or improve that other person so that they believe what you believe and and try and get them to upgrade their operating system to your operating system. It's like, no, he has his own beautiful operating system and I have mine. And isn't that amazing? Yes. And I always think of how boring life would be if all you did, if everyone was exactly the same. Mm. And if we sat around and my conversation and yours would last 30 seconds, because we would say, Hey, this is how I see the world and go, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's it. And there, you know, where, where's the growth? Where's the kind of novelty, the uniqueness, the Um, there's a beauty to everyone having a completely different experience that offers different perspectives because then, you know, you bounce it off yours. They become a mirror and, and not only, you know, here it is, uh, iOS pink and iOS blue. And all of a sudden you have these conversations you, and then all you now upgrade your operating system to iOS purple. Mm -hmm. It's an operating system that, that didn't even exist before, right? A way of thinking, that didn't exist, but because you came together to share and to bounce ideas and to, to offer different perspectives, you've both upgraded. And that's really like, this is what's fascinating to me in the world of this is, I love, you know, social entrepreneurship and technology and and where we're going. It's all stemming from the fact that we're building on top of, of what's been done and creating things that have never been created. The way that that's done is bringing all of these different ideas together. Mm. Yeah, I love it. It's exciting. It's very exciting. It just kind of turns life into an adventure. That's why when people ask, they go, you know, if, if you could put yourself into a box and have kind of different titles, I mean, I say like entrepreneur. Um, I say philanthropist and I say adventurer. Mm. Like I just love, I think life's this adventure that we go on. Right. And in the short time we're here, we get to choose what, what characters we want to spend time with and the kinds of experiences we have and the way that we spend our time and things we do. I just, it's an adventure. Mm, Absolutely. And it's a fun one. It's really fun. Especially when we get to go to Greece together. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear now, what's one thing that you're currently working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Mm. Well, I, you know, I'm a fan of transparency and authenticity. 
The uh, where I feel out of integrity uh, is following up with, uh, and it sounds kind of silly, maybe, but but social media um, conversations. Mm, we had this conversation right? I, in Santorini, I remember, on the beach. Yeah, and I, I actually. Uh, you know, if I didn't want to change, um, I wouldn't be asking people about it, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I was asking you and talking to Nick and talking to other friends that we had. And I said, Hey, how does, how does everyone deal with this? You know, because, um, I know we have a, a, a finite amount of hours in the day and I like to spend, you know, definitely the early part of the day on what we'll ca- Cal Newport would call deep work, right? The things that really matter, the things that move the needle, like the projects we're doing at the Greatness Foundation and, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what I find that I don't make time for is, you know, responding to Facebook messages and Instagram messages. And I, I, I know that it's a human connection and it's people that I want to stay in touch with and have conversations with. But at the end of the day, when I have a certain amount of hours, they're allocated elsewhere. And so I'm still working on, you know, what does that look like? How do I find a good balance of, you know, being responsive and staying in touch with people that matter? Because I'd love to have a conversation with everyone. And at the same time, doing the work that I need to do. Mm-hmm. And you're very similar to me in the sense that, you know, I love technology. I love it so much, but nothing can replace sitting in front of someone and having a conversation. So, you know, I would love all of those conversations, like to have a conversation in person as opposed to, you know, over, it just doesn't feel the same as you do, as it would when you were in front of someone. So it's very different, but it is, you know, you can definitely impact and help and support and inspire so many people through getting back to them in those messages. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, in a, in a perfect world, I, we would get to sit down with every person and just sit down and for an entire lifetime, hear their story and share our life story with them. Mm. And let's say if that's the very, you know, end of one meter, the contrast on the other side is sharing something on social media because you get to, and, and I'm a, I used to not like social media. I love that it's a way to just share a message with a large group of people, right? Mm. Or something like this podcast where lots of people can listen to it. Um, so, you know, if that's on the other side, I'm very much finding that balance between, because on top of all of that, Um, you know, spending time with Holden is so important to me and I don't want to be on the phone and stuck in inside the social media world when uh, I could be spending quality time with him and with people that I'm close with. Right. So definitely a learning for me when, if, if, and when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What I tend to do is if this might help you is just allocate, you know, half an hour a day where I jump in and I just go for it. You know, I try and respond uh, to as many as I can in that block. And what I don't get to in that block, it uh, will, you know, it just has to wait till the next block, the next day. And that doesn't mean I don't want to get back to people. It's just, you know, I'm very much the same as you. The first half of my day is spent doing my MITs, my most important tasks. 
Ah, MITs. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second half of my day, I allocate some space for social media responding. And yeah, I start with half an hour. And um, some days I might have, you know, an extra 15 minutes. And other days when we don't have uh, Leo, I might have a bit more time. The weeks that we do have him, my time is limited because I want to be fully present with him. Right. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. It, um, I will implement that and let you know how it goes. I like, I like that idea. You just say, this is what I'm committed to and, um, and you know, what you get done and, and what you can respond to in that time is, is what's done. And, and at least you've, you've set that aside as something that's a priority for you. Exactly. And I used to feel guilty if I didn't get back to everyone uh, for that day. And I've really let go of that guilt. And I can only do what I can do. And so that I can show up as the best wife and the best mom and the best friend that I possibly can, um, I have to allocate those blocks. So, yeah, let me know how you go. Will do. Thank you. So, let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the entire world. What book would you choose? Besides your book that is coming out very, very soon, let's, let's presume that is already in the school curriculum. Is there one other book? There are different books for different times and different lessons in our life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there you're not going to read a book on scaling a business before you read a book on starting a business. Um and understand. So when I feel like a friend of mine Pat Flynn um you know, coined this term just in time learning and I really like this idea, you know, you uh there are infinite things to learn and explore, but learn the things that apply in that moment. So depending on where your area of growth is. So I do want to give you just a good answer though. Um, yeah, that's tough. Let's say to keep it simple. Um, my mentor is John Astaroff and he is, uh, he's in the book and the movie, the secret. So I would say on a very kind of fundamental foundational level, uh, the Secret is a great book to start to understand how the law of attraction works. And it's not this idea of, you know, lay on a couch and just imagine and uh, a Ferrari in your driveway and all of a sudden shows up. But, uh, you know, the, this idea of things being energy and the energy we put out is what um, we're, is going to show up in our life. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. That's a that's a goodie. That's a very good book. Yeah. What would you say, Melissa? Aside from yours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think. And you're so right. You know, the book or the teacher shows up when the student is ready. Right. But I'm thinking about that age, you know, high school age, and you're right, The Secret is a great one for that age. I also think another great book would be Conversations with God, who I've actually I've actually interviewed Neil Donald Walsh on my podcast. And it was amazing. So that book for me really um I think I highlighted the whole book and, and there was post-it notes through it. So have you read that? 
I have. I need to revisit it because it was a while ago, but I, I would love to listen to your interview with him. Oh my gosh, babe. It's so good. It is so, so good. I was crying in it and the whole, like just listening, he, he was talking for such long periods of time and I was just sitting there listening with tears streaming down my face because what he was saying was just pure truth. And it was just like, hitting me right in my heart space and it was just amazing oh so good yeah i'm excited to listen to it yeah you'll love it okay so i've got a couple more questions for you let's talk about your day and in particular your morning routine i love hearing the little things that people do each day to prime themselves as tony robbins would say i would love to hear some of your um morning rituals or things that you do to really set you up for greatness Mm. well they change a little bit um, when I'm traveling because um, it's not quite as easy with the routine and depending on uh, you know who I'm with or the projects we're working on and uh, where I am in the world, it, it changes a little bit. But I would say um, fundamentally, um, I mentioned Cal Newport and uh, Deep Work. Uh, I learned this from Brian Johnson He's the creator of Philosopher's Notes, um, an optimized, just, just a wonderful man with uh, so much wisdom, so much integrity. And he was the one that actually recommended waking up early. And by early, you know, that's, it's relative, but, you know, an hour to two hours before you would normally wake up. So I was waking up at about seven o'clock before. I started waking up at five, five thirty, And he says, before you do anything else, and this is actually so, you know, uh, some people say exercise, some people say get a green smoothie or meditate and all this. He says, just get to the deep work. And he says, at least an hour on the things that matter most. And so what I've committed to doing is waking up and, and being really honest with this is what needs to get done. This is the most important thing for me to do that day. And I'm going to put an hour to two towards this. And then after that, I can get started with a proper morning routine. And um, a buddy of mine, Hal Elrod, wrote this great book, Miracle Morning. He has, you know, if you haven't read it, Melissa, it's wonderful. He talks about lifesavers, which are these, um, it's kind of an acronym, but, you know, from visualization to exercise to, to meditation to um, you know drinking water to all these kinds of things that comes after and those are important but they're they're less important for me than just getting the work done mm, I, I love that book and I love how he's amazing um, and I absolutely agree with you so so you kind of do your most important work and say that's um, you know you've just finished your book. So would it have been writing in your book and then you start your morning routine or your lifesavers after that, after you've done an hour of that? Right. And it seemed counterintuitive to me Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when I read, I read Hal's book and I would say for years, I I went through my own version of the miracle morning and I had it written down of, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go through and do this gratitude. And then I'm going to do the meditation and then I'm going to exercise. I'm going to this, 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 and, you know, took maybe an hour. Um, for whatever reason, this is working really well for me right now of just get it done. 
and then get the, you know, the morning routine. It's almost like this additional hour in the day that I didn't have before. Mm, I absolutely agree. I think it's really beautiful. And I come into my office and I do a check-in. So I look at all of my tasks that I need to get done for that day. And I write down my three MITs and I scan my email inbox just to make sure there's, um, you know, nothing super urgent, like, you know, a cancellation for a podcast in interview that I was about to do or something like that. Once I've kind of scanned everything and I've written down my three MITs, I then feel like I can go into my morning routine a little like almost karma or something. I don't know. It's like I can, I, I, cause I know what I've got to do next where, um, if I don't kind of just scan, I feel a little sense of, oh, well, oh, I've got that podcast interview at eight o'clock and, you know, have, have they set up the, have they set up Zencaster and ha- like, are they still okay? Have they got everything they need? You know, it, it kind of sets me up to go into my morning routine with a little more ease. I love that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of doing a bag at the beginning of each day to bag being blessings, three things I'm grateful for affirmations, right? I am statements and then goals, the three things to do for that day. And so I absolutely do those. Um, I've just, I've put them off until after the deep work. And it's, again, it's kind of this guy that I really respect and admire that said, Hey, give this a shot. Remember how we, you know, we talked about staying open. I felt like I was so attached to the morning routine of do all of these things first. It'll set you up for a great day. He kind of said, well, that's fine. He's like, but try this, try just, you know, doing the hour or two of deep work and then go into everything else. And it just happens to work for me. Mm. And it might change tomorrow. You don't know. It's about being open. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I'd love to hear now, what are three things you're most recently grateful for or three things right now that you're deeply grateful for in your life? Number one is my son. I feel so blessed to just have a healthy, compassionate, uh, thoughtful young man that, uh, that inspires me. Uh, he is a constant reminder, as I mentioned earlier, you know, on the show of, of how I'm showing up and, um, my, yeah, I, he's a, the foundation of it all. And so I would say, I would start with him. Uh, I would then say the people in my life, I've had so many experiences over the last even couple of weeks, couple of months, few years where I just, I kind of stop and I'm in I mean, I I do these things called thankful Thursdays where I get to, you know, I I highlight and and talk about people that I'm so grateful to have, but it's it's like this gratitude I feel for people. It's hard to express sometimes. And I look around and go, what do you mean? These people are my life. Like, this is crazy. Like the, these people that I respect and admire and love and, and just who have these values that, that uh, like, it's amazing to me and all over the world, right? The fact that we can meet in Greece and all of a sudden, like I said, you guys are stuck with me for life. Like (laughs) I get to have people like you in my life is just such a blessing all over the world. It's fascinating to me. And then the, the third thing would really just be the, the opportunities that are available. 
um, I feel very blessed with the the work that we're doing at the Greatness Foundation um, and the opportunities that just kind of present themselves, these doors that just show up that I um, get to walk through. And, you know, before I walk through these doors, I always take a moment to pause, reflect, and just be grateful for the fact that that door is there, right? The fact that I even have the opportunity. I've talked, you know, a bit about the experience you and I had at the refugee camps and, you know, talk about a, a wake up call because for just from an opportunity standpoint, when they're in this limbo state, these, uh, you know, refugees from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, there are not many opportunities when you're inside of a camp and, you know, and you're not even sure when you're going to get your papers or if you're going to get them and where you're going to go and what's going to happen to your family. And the fact that I have opportunities to go out and make a difference means that I get to, I, I'm going to do them. I'm not going to waste the opportunities. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So beautiful. That was really big for me as well in the camps, you know, just sitting with these beautiful families who are our age, you know, in their 30s with four, five, six kids, and they're just waiting they're just waiting and it breaks my heart that they're just sitting there and waiting and not sure. And here we are that we have so many opportunities and things just presented to us and it's a disservice to not grab them and and take them and to explore them um, when we have that right in front of us. I agree. So I've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Okay. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do for our health? Meditation. Yeah, giving ourselves time to just think. Yeah, beautiful. What is one of the most important things that we can do for our wealth? And this is about being rich in every area of your life. Provide value to others. Mm. I think if we, Zig Ziglar says, you know, Help enough people get what they want and you'll get what you've always wanted. Mm. Beautiful. And what is one of the most important things that we can do for love, for more love, more self-love and just more love in the world? Be love. Yeah. <laughs> Be what, what it is you want to attract, right? How we can't ask for love. We can't ask the world to be more loving if we're not showing up as love first. We have um, these pens that you can write on the glass sliding doors in our house, and we have in massive letters, be love, mm. written in them. I have it written. I don't even know if you know this, but I have it written uh, in, I have a white ink tattoo on my right, I'm looking at it right now, on my right wrist that I got in Bali that it, it's love. Mm. And it's this reminder for me, just show up as love. Mm, beautiful. And finally, what is one thing that I personally and our beautiful listeners can do to serve you today? Make their life matter. Mm. <laughs> and that's not a, it's not an easy thing. Uh, but if, if this conversation resonated, if, if at any point in this last hour, someone felt, oh, okay. They felt inspired or, or empowered to, to follow that. And if even a single person um, chooses to pick up a book or chooses to go out in their community and make a difference or 
then mission accomplished. And so for me, the, the greatest thing I think anyone can do for me is to, to be authentically and truly them because that's, what's go- that's what serves the larger collective. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so true. And I am so grateful to have had this conversation with you today. It's been absolutely beautiful. I am so grateful that we met in Greece and have become such great friends. You are such a beautiful person and I want to acknowledge you for the work that you do in the world and the way that you show up in the world. I'm deeply inspired by you and and Holden and I'm just so grateful that our paths have crossed and yeah, you're stuck with me now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thank you for the kind words and and I've expressed to you the feeling is, um, is mutual. I'm I'm not only grateful, but just feel very blessed to have both you, Nick, excited to meet Leo when I'm out in Australia next. Um, and I appreciate you having me. I appreciate this conversation and the opportunity to, uh, you know, have this dialogue around the things that matter most to us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Melissa. So many beautiful, simple, yet potent reminders that we all need to hear. I'm definitely going to be taking on board that bag tip, blessings, affirmations, and goals. I really liked that. I'm going to implement that into my life. And I would love to hear what you took away from this episode. So please let me know in the show notes. And like Mike and I mentioned, if any of this resonates with you, please share it with someone and subscribe and leave me a five-star review because that means we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on Twitter who you would like me to interview and make sure you tag me at Mel underscore Ambrosini and the person you want me to interview using the hashtag the Melissa Ambrosini show. And for everything that we mentioned in today's podcast, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 35. And you can listen to all my other episodes there too. So thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself possible and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of right now that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Forward it to them, text them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Before I go, don't forget if you are a female coach, consultant, or service provider wanting to take your business to six or seven figures, check out SheLaunch. All you have to do is head to SheLaunch.com, watch the free training on that page, and book in your free call. That's SheLaunch.com. Head there right now, and I cannot wait to meet and work with you and take you and your business to the stars. Now is the time, my friend.